Good morning. How are you today? Hey, so, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I was a teenager and went to high school in the 80s, and, and, um, and it, was, it was a great time. I mean, it was, a, it was a wonderful time, you know, like a lot of culture and things are coming back, like, you know, to that time frame, and it was pretty cool. But I think one of the coolest things was I got to grow up when MTV actually showed music videos. Like, Reed's like, oh, yeah, that's, that was the good stuff. They, like, they really showed music videos. They had some fun shows, but... You know, I had graduated high school in 1990, and so a couple years after that, MTV released a show, and this is nothing spiritual whatsoever, and it does not speak to my sanctification. This was before Christ, but just go with me on this. You know, um, MTV releases this show called Beavis and Butthead. Oh, I mean, it's a classic. I'm not saying take your kids home and, and allow them to watch it, or you go watch it, but now is, you know, is being a couple years out of high school, you know, this was like... This was my generation. You know, Beavis and Butthead were the guys I went to school with. They were probably at times, one of them was me, you know. But, you know, it was this show, and, you know, one of the scenes from the show, it kind of went on, you know, if, if Beavis and Butthead was about to get into some devious activity, it would always cut to this old Judas priest line. And if you know it with me, they would start singing and banging their heads, breaking the law, breaking the law, you know. So they were like, they were into trouble. And they were like, you know, doing things that like they felt like was breaking the law. Um, this morning, we're going to kind of dive into that idea of, of the law. Now, not necessarily like the law from the Old Testament, but like some laws. Like we're going to talk about some laws. Like on your way here, you might or might not have broken a law of speeding. Like, you know, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they, the sign sometimes becomes a suggestion. You know, it says 45, but you're like, I, you know, I know I can get away with 50. You know, but technically we're breaking the law, right? If we're going over what that sign has told us. But it can be broken, right? Like it's one of those laws that necessarily is a more of a suggestion or more of a, you know, hey, we would like for you to follow this. Now, who in the room would consider themselves like rule followers? I know Jennifer is. And, you know, there, there are some people just their nature is more like, hey, I want to know the boundaries. I want to know the rules. And I want to work within those rules. And I want to work, you know, within those boundaries. Now, I'm going to, I hope I don't embarrass him, but Evan, when he was younger, you know, he was pretty competitive, and he would, like, find those boundaries and those rules, but then he would try to find a way to get to the outcome, the desired outcome, but maybe skirt the rules a little bit, maybe kind of figure out, like, okay, well, this is not necessarily, like, maybe wrong, but I don't necessarily have to fall within these boundaries to, to get to this outcome, and so, you know, he's, he's grown up a little and realized, like, sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't, but... You know, we, we have either have the attitude of, hey, we're going to push the boundaries a little and we're going to find new and exciting ways to get to the outcome or we're going to follow right within those rules. And so that kind of, you know, we could kind of be broken up into those two types of categories, you know, whereas Beavis and Butthead was the breaking the law, you know, category, you know, a lot of us kind of fall into that, okay, what are the laws and, and I want to operate within those. Now, the, you know, throughout history, if you begin to look on the internet, the, the United States has had some crazy, you know, outlandish laws, you know, that they've put in place in different towns and things like that. Like, you know, you've probably read some of these or heard them, you know, where you can't, like, you can't, like, you know, wear these types of shoes on this day, or you can't, you know, eat this type of food if it's, you know, the, you know if we're in the spring solstice or, you know, just crazy, silly things like that. 
Now, there are some laws that, like, exist within nature that can't be broken. Like, if we all, like, jumped up into the air, none of us are going to hover, you know, because what's going to bring us back down? Gravity, right? Like, we can't break gravity. I mean, you know, you can get outside the atmosphere and you can play around with it, but, you know, but for the most part, on this earth, we are bound by gravity. There's no breaking it. It's a law that we can't break. It's not like a speed limit where it's a suggestion. It's an actual law in place. I mean, we could get real scientific and begin to look at, like, the law of motion and begin to look at Newton's, you know, these laws of motion and how they work and how they, you know, if I had a a ball on the end of a string and I started swinging it around, like, you know, the law of centrifugal force is going to come into play, and that ball's going to swing out from the center, and it's going to just operate outside of that. So, you know, these laws are in place, and they can't be broken. Now, there's one in agriculture called the law of the harvest. We're going to look at that this morning. Now, this law says that if you're a farmer, you would understand that, that if I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get what out of that? Apple trees, right? If I plant an orange seed, I'm going to get... I can't plant an apple seed and expect to get an orange tree. Like, that's the law of the harvest. And if I plant, I'm going to get something out of that, hopefully, unless you're a farmer like me that's not very good and you just end up with nothing. But the law of the harvest says, you know, if you're planting something, what you're going to plant is what you're going to get out of it. Now, this has some extremely, like, natural, like, applications, but it also has some spiritual applications because... In Galatians, Paul brings this out as he's talking to this new church. Now, I think it's important that we understand the new church, like the the context of how Paul is writing and who he's writing to, because he's writing to a group of people that, you know, if we really look at this, it's really important, because he's writing to a group of people that have come from all kinds of different cultures and backgrounds, and we talk about this, but I think it's important for us to understand it. They're coming from different cultures, from different backgrounds. We've got Jewish people that are coming in, and now their, their whole, like, theology's been disrupted, and, you know, their whole way of doing ministry has been disrupted. It's no longer going to the temple and following all these rituals and all these things. Now it's, it's a more freeing-type, dynamic-type relationship with God, and it's open to everyone, not just the priest. And then you've got, like, these Gentiles that are coming in that worship all kinds of other gods and all kinds of other things, and... In some ways, maybe didn't worship a God at all. Now they're coming in, and they're now worshiping with the Jews, who before there was a big split between them. And, and then you've just got the pagans that are coming in that were like, you know, non-religious at all, and coming in and worshiping together. And so that's what church looked like in that world. And so they're trying to figure it out. Like they're trying to figure out like how they behave. They're trying to figure out like how they work together. They're trying to figure out how. How do I take all these things that I've learned maybe my whole life and now it's been turned upside down and now I'm looking at God differently and I'm looking at the people around me differently? Now, I'm I'm talking about something centuries ago, but it doesn't sound much different than 2019 in Lakeland, Florida. I mean, we, we still are all coming together from different backgrounds and cultures and denominations and, you know, maybe, maybe you've never worshiped God and you find yourself in here and so some of the language and the things we talk about and sing is kind of foreign to you or maybe you grew up in a certain denomination and it's like, well, I still don't like that song or that we don't sing this or don't do this and, you know, I mean, it's just funny how we all come together and we all blend together, but centuries later, we're still trying to figure out how to do this. We're still trying to figure out how to live life together. We're still trying to figure out how to live life together on a path towards Christ, 
and kind of how do we do that in the midst of our background and our history and our thoughts and how our preferences of how we think things should happen. And so Paul's addressing this in most of his letters. When you read Corinthians, he's talking about some church politics and some church discipline. And Galatians, he's talking about how do you how do you put off maybe some of the old ways of doing things and adopt this freedom in Christ? And, and then in Galatians, we find in chapter six, he talks about the law of the harvest. Now, this is important because we had a conversation a couple weeks ago, and we talked about, well, when folks come in, like what are our expectations when they come into Lakeland Family Church? And our expectation is change. Like for every single person, our expectation is that God would change us, you, more into his likeness and into his image. Now, there's not anyone that's exempt from that as we come into the church. All of us, in some way, need to look more like Christ. Um, You might think that you're closer than others, and, and that might even actually exempt you, and you think you're further away than others. And and, and that's not the case. We're all on a level playing field to where we all need to be more like Christ. Regardless if you've served Christ for 50 years or you're still trying to figure it out and you're not quite sure if you want to serve Christ, but all of us need to be changed more into his image. So as we think about this, this series that we're talking about is actually called The Power of Giving. It has to do with money. Now, today, it has to kind of do with some groundwork looking toward money. Now, I'm not teaching on money because Lakeland Family Church needs money. I'm teaching on money in these next few weeks because I believe it's something that trips us up in our relationship with Christ. I I believe, like, there's this stigma that the church can't talk about it. But listen, when you read the New Testament and you look at what Jesus talked about, he talked about money more than he did a lot of things. And and I believe it becomes like an idol to us. It becomes a trip to us. It becomes something that stands in the way of us really like giving our lives over to Christ because we think that we can control some things when we hold on to our money. Now, as your pastor, there are some metrics that I have that says, hey, how are people doing spiritually? Like, that's something hard to measure, right? Like, I can't... You know, I could measure, well, how are people doing, like, in their exercise ability, because I could have you do some push-ups and run a mile, and, you know, I mean, there's some real, like, physical things that I could, like, measure and say, how are people doing physically, but spiritually, it's hard to measure. It's hard to really know, like, what's going on in your heart, because I can't see that. I'm not God, and I don't know maybe where you're really at, but he gives us a good indicator when he talks about the fruit that our life produces, He gives us a good indicator by saying like a lot of the things that's coming out of your life and that you're doing with your life is a good indicator of what's going on inside of your heart. You know, you could say, hey, I'm a really nice person and I really enjoy people, but if you go to work every day and you're biting people's heads off and you're very not, you know, you're not very nice, that'd be a good indicator that maybe you're not quite where you think you are on that whole niceness level, you know? And and I've seen before, like when we measure spirituality, a lot of times you can measure it by where people are spending their money. And a lot of times it's like, okay, well, you say that you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, but that's still something that you hold on to very tightly. And it's something that you hold on to and control, and you don't give that up to God as well. And I'm not saying just give it to the church, but I'm just saying giving it to God. And I understand, listen, just like you, there are a lot of things hitting my life and wanting more of my money. 
you know, I mean, in good causes. Some are good and some are just waste, you know? And, and, but it's a good indicator of where I spend my time, where I spend my money, how, how important are some things to me. So, so don't get nervous when I say, hey, we're talking about giving over the next few weeks. I'm hoping and, and, and praying that it's something that's in a very good, like, freeing experience for us. It's something that maybe, maybe we haven't talked about or you haven't heard talked about, and so maybe it's something that, like, hey, as we talk about it and we kind of, you know, get the elephant in the room out of the way and we, and we look into this and dive into this and see what the Bible has to say about how we spend our money and how there's power in how we spend our money, that hopefully it can be freeing to us. Because, like I said, we wanna see change in every single person that walks in here. We wanna see radical change in their life. Because here's what I know. There's not one single person that walks in that's not hurting on some level. That's not in, in, in a mindset in some level that's, that's downridden or that's, that's worried or that's at times even seems hopeless or at times seems like, you know, I'm not quite sure what's gonna happen or I'm, I feel like things are unraveling or I feel like my relationships are not where I want them or I feel like, I feel like my finances are not where they want them. I feel like my life's not on the track that it should have been, you know, that I imagined at 20 and I'm now at 35 and it's not where I wanted it to be and, and all these anxieties begin to fill our hearts and our minds. And we try to put our hands on it and control it. And when we try to grab a hold of it and control it, that's honestly where God's like, I want to do this for you, but you've got to let go of it. You've got to trust me. When we were in kids' church, we used to say one of our, actually one of our main objectives was to allow kids to learn that they can trust God no matter what. You know, and that's a simple phrase, and that's a great goal for kids, but I would have to say that a lot of us in this room as adults haven't even arrived there, that, that we could trust God no matter what. And the no matter what part is what really kind of changes that phrase for us and allows us to say, man, I just don't know that I'm there. I don't know that I can fully trust God no matter what. And we've talked about that in a series, but one of the ways is with our money. So let's do this. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. And let's look and see what Paul has to say. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. Actually, we're just taking a snippet out of a whole conversation that, that Paul's having with the church, but this can stand in a, in a message on its own, but it does fit into a bigger picture of what he's saying. But he tells the, the, the readers, he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God, or you cannot mock God. You will always harvest what you plant. This is the law of the harvest. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good, and at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So Paul explains to us in this passage what the law of the harvest looks like. So in this, I believe there are three things, three principles that we can glean out of these verses that I, I really wanna focus on them. And, and I think as we glean these out and as we begin to understand the law of the harvest and how that works in our life, I honestly believe that this can add to a more effective, to a deeper relationship with Christ. 
Because that's our goal, is for you and for us to be changed more into the likeness of Christ. For that to happen, we have to understand what he wants for us, and we have to understand kind of how he expects us to do this. If I was an athlete and I was training for something, I would want to know exactly what I needed to work on. I wanted to know exactly what needs to change so that I can get the most out of my abilities to achieve and to win and to get, and to get it done. And that's what Christ wants us to do. So the first principle is we reap what we sow. Now, we talked about this a few minutes ago. Like you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree out of it. You plant an orange seed, you're going to get an orange tree out of it. So we, we reap what we sow. It's a pretty simple principle, a pretty simple concept. God instituted this right off the bat in creation. Listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 1 as he's speaking things into his existence and into creation. He's talking about he's already created the earth. He is looking at what he's putting onto the earth, and this is what he says in verse 11 of chapter 1. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And this is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. It's true agriculturally, and it's also true spiritually. If we sow kindness in our life, like, like the stuff that Pam was talking about with these baskets for these kids. And, and here's the deal. As I begin to kind of look into schools and study, you know, what's going on in the life of our school, there are so many kids that come to school without just the basic things that they need. I know in this room, I would think that most of us are in a place financially or resourcefully where our kids have never gone to school like that. But there are kids that are going to school in pants that they've worn eight, ten days in a row that could be soiled, could be dirty, I mean, we're dealing with kids that might have some health issues that, that literally might soil their pants. And, and they don't have extra clothes that they bring with them or just kids that shoes that are too little or too big or holes in them. Or, and, and so as we think about that, we think about that's, other, that's somewhere else. Like that's in a third world country. But it's literally, it's right here in this school that we're meeting in. And so if we sow kindness as a church but also as individuals, well, what we're going to reap is kindness out of that. If we sow um, bitterness, like, like we're like, well, that's not my problem. Well, they need to get a job. Oh, I mean, we're going to reap bitterness back into our life. I mean, you get the idea. Like what we're putting into this world, and, and, and you might think, oh, that's called karma. No, it's not called karma. It's a law. It's the law of the harvest. Like it's what we're sowing is what we're going to reap. What we plant with our life, what we are putting into the ground or putting into this world or into our life is what we're going to get back out of it. Paul expands on this principle in the passage. He says that by sowing to please our own sinful nature, that we will harvest destruction and death. That's, that's some kind of tough language. Like, like, you know, I might say, well, if you, you, know, if you sow bitterness, you're just going to get bitterness back out of it. But Paul like really like exemplifies that idea. And he's like, if you sow toward the sinful nature, what you're gonna get out of it is destruction and death. Now let's, let's tie that back to what Jesus said in John 10, 10. Remember he said, I've come to give you life and I've come to give you a, you know, a life in abundance. But, but what's the flip of that? But the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, 
I, I can't like exemplify that enough that like the enemy's job and his goal is to not just make you uncomfortable, to make you drive a Toyota instead of a Lexus or to make you live in a 1,500 square foot home instead of a 2,500 square foot home or, you know, to make you, you know, have to wear, you know, name, non-name brand tennis shoes instead of like really good tennis shoes. I mean, that's his job not to just make our life a little uncomfortable. Like his job, his goal is to totally obliterate you, like wipe you off the face of the planet, like get you to a place where you are not in any relationship with God. And Paul is like, that's what he's exemplifying there. He's saying, look, if we're sowing to the sinful nature, like if, if that's what we're sowing in our life and that's the direction we wanna go, you can. God's gonna let you go in that direction, but what you're gonna reap is destruction and death. Now, let's, let's think about that for a second. Like, you might think, well, I don't, I don't quite get that. What do, you, what do you mean sowing to the sinful nature? Or like sowing against God's will for your life. And by destruction and death, I mean death in your relationships, death in your spirit and in your soul to where it just, there's no hope and there's no outlook on what life has to offer and who God is and what God can do in your life. Like death in all of the things that you can imagine where you would want life, you're bringing destruction and death upon that. But there's a flip side to that as well because in sowing and reaping, it can come in a negative form or it can come in a positive form. He says, look, you can sow toward the sinful nature, you're gonna get death and destruction or if you sow toward the things of God, if you're sowing toward God's spirit, then we'll reap abundant life, not just in heaven, but we're gonna reap that abundant life here on this earth as we live out God's plans for our life, as we live out his will, as we're obeying him and surrendering to him, we're gonna sow the abundant life now with also the promise of heaven later. The second principle, so the first principle is we reap what we sow, the second principle is we reap more than we sow. Think about it. I plant an apple seed, not here. Conditions aren't tolerant for it, but say I'm in New York. Plant an apple seed, I get one apple out of it, right? Right, isn't that how that works? Like I plant an apple seed, I get one apple out of it. I get bushels. I get, I get an entire tree out of it that can produce bushels of apples. How does that make any sense? I'm only planting one seed. I'm reaping more than I'm sowing. If I plant, I plant one orange seed, I'm gonna get an entire orange tree. Maybe multiple trees out of it, depending on what happens with the birds and as things fall. And I mean, so one could produce exponentially more. I, I was, I've done a few gardens, and I say gardens, I mean like little gardens. Like, but I'm always amazed at how small the seed is and you put it in, and it creates like a bush. And, and there's multiple things of what you planted that can come off of that bush. So you're in this law of the harvest. We reap more than we sow. Now, much like the other principle had a negative and a positive effect to it, so does this. So as I talked about, like, we can sow bitterness in our life. Like, we can choose not to forgive. We can choose to be angry. We can choose to be hurtful. Like we're reaping that, we're, we're sowing that into the ground. According to this principle, we're gonna reap more than just having a bad attitude or having a bad day. Or it, here, Here's how that can play out. So say you're a, a dad of a family and you're choosing bitterness, you're choosing to be hurtful with your words, you're choosing to be, you know, 
obstinate toward things and you just, you're, you're digging your heels in and you're just, you're just sowing bitterness into your life. Well, how do you think your kids are gonna react to that? Like, how do you, th- how do you think that's gonna turn out as you begin to kind of think about that? So you're sowing bitterness and you think that you're the only one that it affects, that you're the only one that's gonna reap the harvest of that. No, we're gonna reap more than we sow. And, and it's gonna affect other people in our life. We, we talk about this in regards to our church is, is a lot of times in church we see ourselves as individuals and that as the things that we choose only affects us, but it affects us as a church. We, we see this all throughout the Bible, actually. There were, there were times where in the new church there was land that was sold and it was hidden and it wasn't talked about and it wasn't given over to the church like, you know, was happening in that time and it affected that whole family. It affected that whole household when it, was, it came out that things were hidden and something was lied about. It affected the whole body. You see it in the Old Testament when, when one would lie or one would, a few would you know, go astray that it would affect the whole body. And it's true with us as well. We are going to reap more than we sow. Whatever we sow also, we reap exponentially more. Now, there's something else with this. Whatever we reap, we're gonna, or whatever we sow, we're gonna reap proportionally to that. So if I had a farm and I had an acre and I planted an acre of crops on that, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to sow more than I, than I reap into the ground, but I can only reap, you know, that plot of land. But if I sowed 100 acres, I'm going to reap proportionately more to what I'm sowing. And this happens as well in our life. You know, do you want to be used more by God? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I just, you know, I see other people being used and I just... You know, I don't, I don't understand, like, why I'm not being used by God. I, I would say continue to sow, surrender, and obedience to him. And the more consistently that you do that, the more faithful that you are in doing that, the more proportionately that he's going to use you in that surrender and that obedience. The idea of pro- exponential proportional harvest comes into play when we do that. Now, the last principle from these passages, so we're, we're, we're reaping what we sow, we're reaping more than we sow. And the last principle is we reap later than we sow. Think about it. Have you ever planted anything? You ever put a seed into the ground? Is it immediate that something pops up out of the ground? It's not. Like, there's, there's a time, right? There's a, there's a time where if you're like me, I'm an impatient person. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm the type of person I send an email. I'm going, refresh, 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 refresh. You know, why, why am I not getting an email back? You know, I'm, I'm an impatient person. And, and so when I planted something, the first time I did a garden, I planted something. I'm going out there every day going, I don't, I don't see anything happen. Nothing's going on. Like, did it die? Did I do it right? Did I plant it the right depth? Did I give it too much water? Did I give it enough water? Like, like what's going on under the ground? Like, I, if I could have had a radar and put it on the dirt and see what's happening with the seed, I would have been more comfortable. Or at times, I, like, want to dig it up, and I want to pull it up out of the ground and see, you know, is it, is it doing its thing? Is it doing its right? But we can't do that because as soon as I dig it up, it halts the process of what's happening, right? We, we're gonna sow later than we reap. Now, this might look like, you, you might know people in your life and you're like, I just don't understand. Like, they, they're selfish, they are arrogant, you know, they, they just, they, they walk over people, but yet it seems like there is a red carpet before them all the time. I don't get it. Like, like what's the deal with that? How can, 
You know, how can they be such a rotten person and everything goes so right for them? Or on the flip side of that, maybe it's like, man, I just don't understand. Like that person seems like they've given it all to God. Like they're all in and they're doing everything they should do. And it just seems like everything is such a struggle and everything's so hard. And it just seems like so many bad things are happening there. Here's the deal. We reap later than we, or later, later than we sow. We, we've got to understand that when things seem like nothing's happening, like the seed's in the ground and there's a process for, for the time from planting to sprouting to producing to harvesting, it takes time and there's a process in that. And when we think about God, like God's timing is not necessarily our timing. He's not operating on the same linear amount of time that we're the same linear line that we're operating on. He sees everything all at once. His plan is working out. He's got it put in the right place at the right time. And he says, at the proper time, things are gonna come to fruition. The way Paul said it, he said, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in continuing to reap what I've asked you to reap. Because what you, what you gotta understand is you're gonna reap what you're gonna sow. What, what you have to understand is you're gonna reap more than what you've sown. And it's probably gonna come at a later time. The, the harvest is gonna come at a later time than when you planted it. Because there's something that has to happen in there. There's, there's something with that seed that's been put into the ground. There's something with that, that seed that you've done financially into something. Or that seed that you put your resources into or you know, the time that you spend on a Sunday morning coming and setting up chairs and putting pipe and drape up, or, you know, the time that you go and you sit with that person and you just listen, or, you know, the time that, that you are spending that just seems fruitless, God's doing something with that seed. We might not see it right now, but something is happening. He's doing what needs to be done for the fruit to be produced, but it's probably going to be at a later time. And on the flip of that, those that you would think, why why do they continue to get away with that? I don't know. But according to that principle, if they're sowing rotten things, they're gonna reap rotten things. But it's gonna happen probably later than we would think. Sooner or later, that comes around. So there's a planting season and there's a harvest season. You know, in our, in our microwave, like, immediate gratification, right now world and mindset, we want it to happen immediately. We want them to get what's due, you know, to them right now, or we want to get what's due to us right now, and, and it's tough and it's uncomfortable to have to wait. But if I planted a squash seed and I dug that thing up every day in the two months or whatever that it takes for that thing to sprout up and begin to produce squash off of it, it's, it's, gonna, it's not gonna happen, or it's gonna take longer, or it's gonna stunt the growth, or it's, it's just not going to do what it's supposed to do. But if I plant it, and I do what I'm supposed to do by watering it, giving it the proper you know, atmosphere that it needs, giving it the, you know, the fertilizer that it needs in the ground, and taking care of it, and, and digging the weeds out from around it, and not letting things choke it up, but if I'm doing what I know that I'm supposed to do, God's gonna allow that seed to do what it's supposed to do. And it's gonna produce these beautiful, edible squash. The same thing happens spiritually in our life. We do what we're supposed to do. If we're just obedient, if we're just surrendering to him, really truly making him Lord over our life, 
He's going to do what he needs to do with what he's asked us to do. I, I mean, I believe that with Lake and Family Church. I, I look out into the church and I'm like, I'll just be honest and vulnerable with you. I'm like, God, why don't we have 200 people out here? This is the best thing in Lakeland. I mean, literally, I literally think that. And I'm like, why aren't there 200 people out here? Why, why are not they driving in in droves from the neighborhood? And God's just like, the seed's in the ground, dude. Chill out. It's, it's in the ground. You can't dig it up. You can't, you can't even like know exactly what's going on down there, but just know that what you reap is what you're going to sow. Just know that like what you're reaping, you're going to exponentially like sow more. Just know that like when you reaped it, like there's a sowing that's coming later. And the same thing is true in your life. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary of continuing to surrender to him. I, I know folks that they just, they grow tired of it. They're like, I don't know how much more I can do. I don't know how much more I can give. I don't know how much more I can do. And it's just like, don't grow tired of it. Don't grow weary of it. Because he says, at the proper time, the harvest is coming. Now, I got two action steps for us as we, as we think about this. So the three principles are we reap what we sow, we, we, we reap more than we sow, and we reap later than we sow. So two things that I want you to do, because I, I believe this is important. If we get a hold of this and we understand these principles, we understand the law of the harvest, we begin to look at our actions differently, we begin to look at our resources differently, and we begin to look at our relationships differently. Those three things, we we begin to have a different outlook on them when we understand the law of the harvest. First action step, and, and I would ask that every single person would do this, that you would ask yourself this week, this, this week, intentionally spend some time with you and God and ask this question, what am I sowing with my life? What am I sowing with my life? So remember, the, the three principles, like what we sow what we reap. So what are you sowing with your life? Secondly, second action step related to that one is where am I primarily spending my money and my time? Where am I primarily spending my money and my time? No, get up, don't get uptight on that one. Don't, don't you know, think, well, this is one of those money. They just need my money. No, we don't. I, I need you to grow in Christ. Like, I need you to grow in Christ because I know what I'm sowing with Lakeland Family Church. You're part of what's gonna reap. But I need us to all be going in the same direction. I need us to all be growing spiritually. And I know that if we're holding anything back, our resources, our talents, our time, our money, we're not going to get there, or we're going to be limping there, or we're going to be anemic when we get there. Like, so ask yourself these two questions. This is our action step from today. What am I sowing with my life? And then secondly, where am I primarily spending my money and my time? Because the Bible tells us this. Jesus was talking, and he, he was talking to a group of people who thought they had it all together. And this is what he told him. He said, hey, where your treasure goes so goes your heart. And answering those two questions is a good indication of where our heart's at. Like if, if we answer those questions and answer them honestly, like 
if you really truly care about your relationship with Christ, like answer those questions honestly because what's measured is what gets changed. And we have to truly like get introspectively at times and measure where are we at with things. And this is a good way to measure. Where am I at with my surrender and where am I at with my obedience? And as we answer those questions, we're gonna find where our treasure truly is. And it might not be bad. It might be like, okay, well, I'm finding that my treasure truly is in my kids. Well, but here's the deal. Your kids are gonna grow up one day and they're gonna leave your house. That's the goal. If that's not your goal, let's talk later. But I mean, that's the goal. Is that your kids don't stay with you forever. I mean, your goal is that you raise other humans to go out and be involved in this world. And so... If we're putting all our eggs in one basket with our kids, I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen fall apart after the kids leave the house because they put all their treasure in their kids. Or I can't tell you how many people just stop going to church after their kids grow up because it's like, I haven't invested anything in a relationship with Christ. It's all been about my kids. The only reason I went to church was for my kids. Well, that's not biblical. It's not even smart. I mean, so let's define that. Let's, let's get honest with each other and with God and say, what am I sowing with my life? And where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my money? Is it to leave a legacy and an impact and, a, you know, and, and something good? Or is it, is it just getting through the day? If you feel like you're planting with your life, like you're sowing with your life, you, like you feel like you're working and you're toiling and you're doing something with your life, but you're not getting what you want back out of it, then these action steps are gonna truly help you evaluate exactly where you are and exactly what you're sowing so that you can make the appropriate changes. Now, I've found that if I'm not getting the expected outcome, then I need to make sure that the right inputs coming into my life so that I get exactly what I want out of it. And if we don't evaluate, we don't truly look at things, like we, we can't expect to get anything different. Evaluation is the key so that our action steps help us focus on exactly what needs to be changed and exactly where God needs to work in our life. And if we do that, I believe we can begin to experience exponential change individually but also as a church. I mean, God has said, hey, I'm inviting you to be part of my mission. And that's a pretty big honor. And that's to all of us. That's not just to me as your senior leader, but it's to all of us. He said, I'm inviting all of you to be part of my mission. So why wouldn't we evaluate appropriately, be exactly where God needs us to be so we can get the best effect out of that? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Um, God, this was, this was as difficult for me to hear from you as it was for me to share with our folks. I don't like talking about these things, to be honest with you, but I know that you want to do something radical and different in our life, and so that means you want every area of us. That means you want every crevice, every nook. That means you want us to hold nothing back and hide nothing from you, because you already know all about it anyway. God, I pray that this just wouldn't be one of those messages where folks are like, oh, that was nice, and they leave. But God, I pray that we would really grab a hold of these action steps. That we'd really get honest with ourselves and with our, our lives and with what we're doing with what you've given us. Help us to truly evaluate where we're at so that 
you can get the most out of us. I thank you that you're so loving and you're so kind and you're so gracious to pull us along into this. I love you so much and I'm glad that you love us that much. In Jesus' name, amen.